Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we are back. Welcome back to the podcast, Julie Harris. Yes, thank you, Tim. And today we're going to dive into something that I find interesting. You know, so many agents are working with tons more buyers than they have listings. In some estimates I've read, there's about 20 buyers for every listing that's on the market. So here's the question. Are you relying solely on the buyer drip that you set up in your MLS for your motivated and qualified clients? Has that drip run dry? It's time to get more creative, more aggressive, and of course, more profitable with your MLS searches. Just putting them on a drip and waiting for the buyer to tell you what they want to see is not the most efficient way. And especially considering that by the time they actually sit down and comb through all those things in their drip, by the time they actually contact you, it's probably already sold, probably with multiple offers. Well, let's drill down on something else too. Another fallacy of the whole dripping besides the fact that it sounds gross, gross, is that you can actually be on your buyers that you have put in the drip campaign and you can have the fanciest drip campaign with all kinds of videos and all kinds of little things. Tracking and they, devices. Tracking, exactly. Widgets to watch them on the internet. All these sort of, you know, James Bond type tools that some of you guys in play think are really cool and they kind of are cool. I mean, it's fun to send someone an email and or, you know, put them on a drip campaign and see how much they're engaging. Here's the problem uh, that you're going to run into. And the reason, frankly, a lot of these systems, they did work back in the 90s. They don't work now. The reason they don't work now is because everybody and their brother does it. Not just individual agents, but MLSs do it. You're going to have your brokers do it. You're going to have uh, Zillow do it. Realtor.com does it. So if someone's in the market and they fill out just a couple forms, they're getting dripped on by droves of different people. Not to mention the lead selling companies. How many lead selling companies have, you know, let's say generated a buyer lead and then sent that buyer yeah. lead off to not just one agent, but 10 different agents. And each of those agents then, oh, I need to put them on my drip campaign. So now that one buyer filled out a form on Zillow just because they're sort of interested in something. And now they're getting dripped the same exact content from the MLS from, you know, you guys getting what we're getting at here. So this is the reason ultimately these systems are very ineffective is because they become oversaturated and there's nothing about them that makes it unique. So what we want you to do is realize that if you're relying, even if you are tracking them and watching them open your videos, they're also getting the same information or similar information from other real estate agents, which means it's just going to be whack-a-mole as to whether or not they're actually going to choose you. That's right. Or maybe they even set up their own drip system because you exactly. know you can do that. I know in my if I look at my email right now, somehow I'm in an endless supply of drips from just different markets I've looked at or what have you. And half the time it ends up in their spam anyway. So the, we've the, established it is inefficient. Guys, that's the irony of all this technology. That's the thing that kind of is fascinating is because of all the technology, because of all the social media, because of all these, you know, very elegant and overcomplicated systems, but they sound good on paper. Uh, they're sold to you guys with the belief, well, I won't have to make phone calls. I can mm-hmm. just have my automated drip campaign do all the follow-up for me. 
because so many people have done that for so long. There are agents that are not even active in real estate anymore. They have these drip campaigns that are. So that's the reason that being a proactive lead generator is a thousand times more powerful than it ever has been because so few agents know to actually pick up the phone and having a meaningful conversation. So as we go through these points that Julie has, uh, I think, with a lot of work created for all of you today, keep all of this in mind. If you want to have the unfair advantage in the marketplace right now, do use technology, do use marketing and branding, but remember, nothing will ever beat face-to-face, voice-to-voice contact. That's right. So today we're going to show you, listeners, how to deploy five creative ways to get more from your MLS searches so you can get those buyers in contract faster. But before we get to those five ways, we have two quick facts. Fact number one, you might not realize this, but it is a fact. The longer you take to deliver on what your buyers want, the less faith they're going to have in you. If you've ever been ghosted by clients that you showed homes to, this may have been the reason. Are your buyers being more proactive than you are? I, you know, I hear every day, Tim, I hear of cases where the buyer door knocked their way into their house and they found it before their agent did. So here's another fact. Finding the right house for your buyers in today's market is a bit like a safari. You're looking for something that's scarce but could be hiding in plain sight. So you're going to need more tools, more skills, and being more proactive to have a successful hunt. You meant buyers are actually knocking neighborhoods, looking for homes themselves, and yeah. finding themselves from owners that are ready to put their houses for sale, not listed properties. And then guess what's happening? The agents that thought those buyers were working with them are no longer working with them because the buyer actually ended up doing that buyer's agent's job. Exactly. You know, at the end of the day. Being they, more proactive than the agent was. <laughs> which is not uncommon. And not good. Okay, so yes, keep setting up the buyer drips, but also make sure you are actively and creatively mining your MLS using the following five strategies. Number one, re-examine your buyer's wants and needs. What's a deal killer and what's a deal maker and why? If they're adamant about a specific neighborhood, why is that? Is that because they love the walking trail in the clubhouse? Well, there's probably 10 more neighborhoods in their geographic search that also have that profile expand their search to capture more options. I know you're going to be getting into the weeds about that first point, but it is so, we have a whole section in Premier Coaching, which is exactly what, you know, what these points are basically derived from. Mm -hmm. But the gist of it is, is buyers will say, I'll give you guys a real good example. You hear this all the time. I'm, I want five acres. I mean, Julie and I, when we sold real estate in Columbus, (laughs) Ohio, we hear this all the time. I want an acre. I want five acres. They have no idea what it would be like to have five acres. Much less to mow it. But then you'd (laughs) ask them why. Well, that's interesting. Why are you looking for that much property? property. Um, and then, you know, sometimes they might have a legitimate reason. Well, we have a horse or two horses or whatever, but not likely do they have a legitimate reason. What their reason is going to be because they want privacy. So just so that I understand, Mr. Buyer, what you're looking for is you're looking for a private lot that doesn't necessarily have to be five acres. So if I were to find you, say, a third acre lot that was really private, maybe backed up to some sort of you know, tree preserve or something, that would be kind of a cake and eating at two situation. Or is it something, is the five acres something critical for your, you know, farm you want to have or something? And you will soon discover that buyers will, and sellers that matter, who are becoming buyers, will expand their thinking to realize that uh, they have a lot more options than they may have presented themselves as. But this goes back to skill and you know what, knowing what questions to ask. You might get another one saying, I have to have a four bedroom, has to have be a four bedroom, has to be a, okay, well, mm-hmm. and, and you know there's maybe only three people that live in a house and two cats, you know, that's the family. Ask them why. Find out why. Well, I need a home office. Well, okay, there you go. And then there's a lot of other ways to accomplish a home office 
than necessarily finding if it's exactly. a prominently a three-bedroom neighborhood, you could put, well, there's all kinds of little casitas and things. There's You could have a loft. You could have a finished basement. Think out of the box, guys. And you know what? When you set them up on a drip, the drip isn't going to think this way. Nope. And well, frankly, the low-skilled agent is going to think this way either. So True. I mean, that goes back to coaching. And by the way, you guys can join Premier Coaching. Just scroll down. The link to join Premier Coaching is below. And as always, it costs you nothing to join for the first 30 days. All the benefits of becoming a Premier Coaching member, including the daily semi-private coaching call with the Harris Certified Coach, are in the link below. Scroll down, click the link, and you're off to the races. Point number two. Point number two, if your buyers can't or won't compete for scarce inventory, change your strategy. Search for homes that have a 30-plus days on the market, 60 or even 90 days plus as well. You're less likely to have to compete for those, and the sellers are likely to be more motivated to make a deal. So search for longer days on the market. Point number three, look for new construction, even if your buyers don't think they'll like it. Add one well-selected new home at the end of a search of resale homes just to take their temperature. I want to go back to that previous point. You went okay. too fast on that Sorry. one. All right. So look for the houses that have been longer days in the market. Now, why is that a little trick? Because let's say when the house, the house originally went for sale, the seller, maybe the house had some condition issues, or maybe the seller wasn't that motivated and wasn't allowing showings. Or maybe the seller had like new construction that was going to be done in a year. Well, now it's, uh, you know, one month to close. So what happens over time and sometimes when there's a house for sale is the seller obviously becomes more uh, motivated. The condition changes. Things change. They get more feedback. But what happens is that the agents stop showing listings that are more than 30, 60 days old. And oftentimes a lot of these drip campaigns only send, you guys know this is true, only send the buyers the newest listings. Even if you plug a new buyer into one of your you know, drip, drip campaigns, you're going to find that most of those systems are set up only to send the newest listings in the last 30 days. So if a listing's been for sale for longer than 30 days or whatever the parameters are, that buyer's not going to know about it. That house isn't going to get as many showings and you could find all kinds of opportunity there. Now you want to expand on this point ever so slightly. And we talk about this a lot in our premier coaching program, but also look for expired listings that meet mm -hmm. your buyer's criteria as well. There's so much opportunity out there with, for agents that are willing to do something other than just waiting for, you know, the leads to come to them and the houses, then the buyers to somehow raise their hand and say, I want to buy the house. You just sent this email to me. I'm ready to go. That does not work. No, I mean, that's seriously passive, right? And you're going to lose in today's market. All right. Number three, look for new construction. Again, even if they say, oh, new, new construction is not for me, again, assuming that there is a price range with new construction for them. But, you know, let's say you've got showings this afternoon, you're going to show three resales. And if they say, yes, I want one of them, obviously you're going to write it up. But if they don't, then you put something in the new construction category on the end just to see. You can say, I got to pop by and drop something off anyway. Just see what they think about it. They may be surprised by how much they like it, considering it's all new. They get to choose some options and they won't have to deal with repairs. Let's give them some advanced coaching on this. Sure. All right. So when Julie and I were selling real estate, we had seven buyer's agents that worked with us. And you guys have access to what I'm about to describe. It's part of our premier coaching program. When they originally met with a buyer, um, we'd always have them meet at the office. And if you're, you know, working for EXP and you don't have an office, have, you know, meet someplace that's neutral territory like Starbucks or something. 
And then we'd give the buyer's agent would then give the buyer a little presentation that explained all the things that a buyer's agent does. And because you'd be shocked how many even experienced real estate consumers don't know really anything about what a buyer agent does. So you're going to explain agency. You're going to explain that, you know, as a buyer's agent, you're going to work with them, all kinds of different sellers. You're going to explain to them what you're going to be doing to find, find them a home. A lot of the things that we hopefully are, you know, teaching guys from this podcast, let alone our coaching program, you're going to have to go above and beyond to win the business of a buyer, let alone a seller that then is going to become a buyer. You're going to actually have to earn that business. You're not entitled to it anymore. People are becoming very, very uh, selective who they work with. Well, so what you're then also going to discover is a lot of the times their motivation is predicated on a very particular, like we want to find a house that's in a particular area. Um, we, and we're not interested in new construction. You're going to hear, hear that a lot, especially in well-established areas. You cannot take them by their word because here's what's going to happen. You're going to show them houses on some Friday afternoon. You're going to do them, show them exactly what they said they were looking for in the exact neighborhoods they said they were looking for in. And then the following day on a Saturday, they're going to be driving in the countryside and they're coming across five new uh, construction home developments. Yep. They're going to walk into all of them. They're going to fall in love with the third new developer's model. They're going to buy that house. They're going to send you a text and say, we're so happy. We just went and contract on a house for XY in XYZ subdivision. And you now have basically, and you know, and you're going to be getting this text and you're going to be thinking to yourself, I just lost a sale. You did just lose a sale. Yep. No, that buyer didn't screw you or lie to you. You just did not ask enough questions. So here's a word to the wise. Whenever you have a, new, a buyer uh, in any market, in any price range where there's new construction that is even a rough, you know, sort of fit close. for what they're looking for, a close yep. fit, you've got to get them registered with every new construction builder in your marketplace. So what we would do is in our presentation, when the buyer agent would sit down and again, let's just say they're, you know, resolute, we're not looking for new construction because where Julie and I sold real estate where a lot of you sell real estate, new construction is maybe further away than they're even, you know, fathoming uh, driving. The, well, I would never move out there or live out there. Well, okay. They've never seen it. So they don't know what they're saying no to, but once they do, you'll be surprised how many say yes to it. So get them registered with every new construction builder in your market in the geographic area in which they're looking. And then what I want you to do is obviously the way you do it is some of the builders are going to insist that you're at the initial meeting with the buyer uh, in order for you to register them. But most of them won't. What most of them will do is they'll allow you to register that buyer with them by simply sending them a form, usually an, an online form or mm -hmm. I mean some, you know, you'll have to fill something out. A lot of it's out. on their websites now. Exactly. So just fill out the form, registering the buyer, attaching that buyer to you, and then connect the buyer to the new build rep with the builder. You can do it through text or even better drive them out there and have them meet with that new build rep. That way you're covering your bases. Remember, I told you this, otherwise you will lose sales to new construction and it's only your fault because at the initial buyer consultation, which you probably didn't have in the first place, you didn't explain to the buyer that you actually work with new construction builders, which is part of the presentation that you get in Premier Coaching in the buyer section, which is level what? 10? I nine? can't remember exact level, but it is <laughs> called the buyer presentation. You know, you present to your sellers all the time, hopefully with the listing presentation. We have that too, of course. But we provide for you the buyer presentation along with the scripts and the training of how to actually do that so you can avoid something like this. So there's several little mini points to this. One is don't assume just because they say they don't want new construction that they have any idea what they're talking about because they will, especially your very motivated, active buyers. They're going to drive around. They're going to land in a new model. It's going to smell great. You can't unsee a beautiful home that's staged correctly. And then they're going to decide to buy it. Here, here's what you're selling against, people's nature. Because yes. there was a statistic or the research that was done. 
I'm going to get some of my numbers wrong, but just open your mind to what I'm saying. I think it was the Social Security Administration did this research that most people, like over 90% of all Americans in particular, I think this is also true for, with Europeans too, mm -hmm. are born and then are buried, I know, depressing, but there you go, within a 20-mile radius to the exact same spot. Like where Julie and I are from in Columbus, Ohio, I think that's probably true. It's 60 miles, but yeah, that's that was the report. But yeah, I mean, basically, oh, it 60 the, miles? Yeah, it's, okay. it's within a subdivision or two of where you grew up, yeah. probably. So what you're going to discover is a lot of people, like uh, when you're meeting with them, are thinking without knowing that statistic, right? Because that's yeah. kind of grim. But without knowing it, they only think within, to Julie's number, thank you for remembering it, a 60-mile radius. Their familiarity. Their familiarity, right. They, they went to school there. They go to church there. You guys get the point. That is their natural predisposed predisposed yeah. did I say that right bias mm -hmm. so because new construction is outside by just maybe a hair of that 60 mile radius it makes them uncomfortable but so that's what's holding them back it's not because they don't want new construction it's not because anything that you would think would be a you know they, they sometimes they'll say I don't want new construction I have to live in this area don't take them by their word because they're going to be driving on the countryside. They're going to go into that home, that subdivision. They're going to buy a house and you're going to be without uh, a sale. Please take me by my word. This is what yes. happens all the time. That's right. And here's the thing that's happening now with scarce inventory. That's been the theme song for so long. Going to new construction for some buyers is simply an act of desperation because they haven't found something or what you're showing them is old and needs too many repairs and they're turned off to it. They'll do it on their own. I guarantee it. To and your point. I mean, that everything you're saying and you add to this, unless they're like, you know, just bound and determined to rehab a house, rehabbing a house is expensive as hell. It is. And that's if you can it's find- not for everyone. That's if you can find qualified labor. If you can find the house in the first place and then the qualified labor and you've got the budget to do it. So there's that. <laughs> okay. So do not- discount new construction guys. Mm -hmm. I, and I think that's going to be more and more of the story, you know, going forward because the builders are really, you know, they're taking advantage of low that, inventory. Th there's zero chance new construction is going to be an incredible growth opportunity at least the next decade. Yes. All of the matrixes, the builder confidence level, the new starts, the new permits, the inventory that they're pumping out, the spec homes, it's all going the right direction. Yep. The only question is how much you guys know about it. All well, right. We're investing in it. We have, yeah. we're, we're invested in some um, condo developments in Austin and yeah. Washington, D.C. And yeah, we're always looking for interesting things that are yeah. going to be in alignment because we know where the boom's going to be. And you know it too from being in real estate. Next point, Julie. Yes. Number four, little known fact. If you can't find something in the right school district, find out if that district allows out of district families to pay tuition. How many of you, this is the first time you've ever heard of this thing. Now, this is actually becoming more and more prevalent, and I did some research on this, Tim. It ranges from $1,000 a year, that's pretty cheap, on up. Now, how does some of them are ten or 12000 a year, but most of those are districts in California and New York that are very expensive districts. Uh, but you, you don't know if you don't call, so we, call the district enrollment advisor and find out. We need to break this down because that's kind of a confusing I point. Know. So what happens is, and let's use a real example. Sure. There was a um, an area where Julie and I sold real estate. It was called Powell, Ohio. Yep. Right outside Powell, Ohio. I don't remember the Delaware. Delaware. No, was or, it? No, there was uh, Olentangy another, School District. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Let's, let's call let's, it Delaware. We'll call it Delaware. Uh, though it was called something else, but that's okay. So there. So those of you in Central Ohio, you guys can let us know in the notes, right? Uh, so it was Powell. Remember, there's one. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, okay. So the Powell school system was great. And this one area right outside, like right next to it, was the school system was basically, let's just call it most, mostly rural. rural, 
uh, agricultural minded. They were focused on teaching kids how to be farmers and things like that. They took like two weeks off every year when the hunting season started. Right? No joke. Yeah, no yeah. joke. Okay, so um, the moral of the story was is the properties there were so much less expensive because the school district. And, Julie, and their property taxes were less as a result as it, well. And if you bought, here's how crazy this is. If you bought a property with five acres in this other quote unquote less desirable area, though essentially offering virtually all the same amenities minus the school system, and it had five acres, you had virtually no property taxes because yeah. you could essentially um, put it in some sort of, have some sort of agricultural exemption. You guys have markets just like this, 99% of you. If you're in the city, you're thinking Julie and I are kind of some sort of country bumpkins, which I suppose we were. <laughs> but here's the thing. That that was only maybe 10 miles away from the other one. All right. So here's what happens is that those school systems, the Powell in this example, would allow somebody in this other, living in this other area to pay, and Julie's example I think was right, like $1,000 per year per kid to have their kids go to the Powell school system. And most school systems have carve-outs for that. So this isn't having to pay tuition for an expensive private school. No. This is just knowing how the different school systems work. Why do we tell you that? Because I will only live in the Powell school system because that's where my kids go and it's great schools and whatever, whatever. All right. Well, you realize that for $100,000 less, you can live, live over here. And by the way, for $1,000 a year, you can put Johnny back in the same school system. Well, I didn't know that. Now you guys know that. Figure it out how it works in your community. And now you've got a special set of knowledge that other people don't have. Yes. And here's the advantage to that, okay, is that when you go a little bit out of district, we're not talking about going miles and miles away, just on the outskirts. You have many advantages to that. And again, not all school districts have the same rules. So make sure that you call. Okay, so here's the advantage. Those houses are longer days on the market. You're probably not going to compete. You get more house for the money. You might have ag exemptions. You don't have to have 100 acres to make that work. And your property taxes are are less, which offsets any tuition that you're paying. Okay, so there's that. <laughs> there's all that. I get excited about it because this this is thinking out of the box, right? Okay, so point number five, look at your own past client and sphere of influence list, you know, your database, as your private MLS. Who do you already know who owns a home that meets the criteria of your buyers? Does that homeowner know what the current value of their home is? If they did, what would that do to their plans? Who in your database just got relocated, divorced, or needs to upsize or downsize? Who just had a third kid and needs to buy a four-bedroom home? This goes to a point from yesterday's probate podcast. Too. How? And yes, exactly. Who just inherited a house, perhaps. So, so we talked about probate. It was our final bonus point from yesterday's podcast, so make sure you listen to that. Uh, but probate's another great source of uh, potential business. So uh, well, here's the real direct way to do this, and this is something we're coaching all of our elite coaching clients mm -hmm. to do. They do it or they have their assistants do it, frankly. When you have buyers that are very, you know, focused on a particular neighborhood, you'll get that, especially in the more upper ends. You got it. And there's nothing for sale, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's no old expireds. Maybe there is legitimately no active sellers in that marketplace. Go door to door with a list of the buyers that you have. And I want you to focus in on Julie's next point, which is bonus point number six. Yes, you're reading my mind once again. Bonus point number six, door knock the neighborhoods where your buyers are focusing. Leave behind a simple wanted flyer describing your buyers and their needs. Something like this, wanted, your home for my pre-approved, or if they're all cash, say so, highly motivated buyer clients who are looking only in 12 trees and need at least three bedrooms. P uh, flexible closing date, 
Call me to see if your home is a match. That's the wanted card plus the door knocking. And that works really well. I can't tell you how many of our coaching clients have something in contract because of that point. Well, I mean, that's gold right there. It is gold. You're going to knock on someone's door. They're not going to know what their house is worth. They're not going to nest. Maybe they're thinking about selling in six months or a year. You're going to let them know that they won the real estate lottery. They have a buyer that you have a buyer that wants to buy their house right away. That means they don't have to go through a lot of, you know, aggravation to prepare the house, let alone mm -hmm. dealing with showings. Win, 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 win. And you're going to double in that, you know, don't give commission away. Don't just, because you, you made the effort, you knocked on the door, you found that house for that particular uh, buyer, get the listing or at least write into the uh, the buyer, you know, write it in so that you're getting paid from the seller for your buyer's agent commission and your seller's commission. Obviously, the seller has to concede to that. They would have ended up paying that when they listed it anyway. Don't give away money when you're doing deals like this because of the fact that you, well, I didn't have the house listed. You generated the transaction. You saved that seller a hell of a lot of aggravation. You deserve the, you know, get paid for your efforts. So yeah. be very clear about this. I mean, that's a great definition of procuring cause. You know? <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, so example, do you remember when we lived in Georgetown, Texas? And we were in a pretty traditional subdivision. And the uh, couple who ran the HOA, uh, Norman, I can't remember her name. Okay, they were serious enthusiasts about our neighborhood in River Chase. They went to every board meeting. They ran the HOA. They would walk their dogs. They knew every single person in the neighborhood. The most enthusiastic about the neighborhood. And then you and I were on a walk one day. And we noticed a moving truck in front of their home. And we said, what's up with that? I thought you guys were going to live here forever. You seem so enthusiastic. And you know what they said? We got a letter in the mail. And I remember Norm went into the house. He said, I got to show you this. He, he gave us the letter. And it, what it said was, it was actually uh, an agent that was prospecting using a wanted type letter that said, I have a veteran client who only can buy a house that is wheelchair friendly, that has one level. And that was their house. They hadn't thought about moving. They, guess what? They bought new construction around the corner and they moved. Well, he also said, I don't know if you remember this, but he said that another one of the neighbors who received the same letter uh, also is interested in selling. So that one agent who did those, did the door knocking or did the letter thing was able to sell Norm's house to this, his buyer and then generated another listing lead from one another, one of our neighbors. Because they were proactive. And they were, Norm, again, Norm said this, he said that they were thinking about, they were going to sell in the future. Mm -hmm. They just moved their date up. That's yeah, all they because did. They, they had found new construction, they were waiting, and they got this letter, they wanted to help this guy out, and there you go. No for sale sign in the yard, nobody knew what was going on, it was the result of a proactive agent. Guys, you will, some of you will be surprised to know that the number one thing that a seller wants it from a sale of a property is not the highest net price. Nope. They, that's not, you think that's the most important thing, that's not the most important thing. The mo number one thing 99% of all sellers want is the least amount of hassle. That's what they're looking for. So all of these things that we just expressed to you, especially the last points, we're definitely going to be putting you in alignment with what you know, prospective sellers' uh, true mission is, is to have the least amount of hassle. They want a seamless process and the least amount of hassle, even if it means, though we're not proposing it with what we said, even if it were to mean slightly less net, they're more than willing to pay to not have the hassle of trying factor. to sell. Yeah, it's a con yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at all the i buyers that were around, all of which mostly are no longer around. There were, you know, that's proof that there's a lot of people that are always in the marketplace. They'll always be willing to sell for less than retail because they don't want the household having to put the house for sale. Julie and I back, I mean, we've owned rental properties for two decades and 
more than that, really. And some of the rental properties that we bought when we sold real estate were from Julie and I running our own iBuyer campaign effectively back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And we'd have people that would call us out to, I'm one of them we have for sale or we don't have for sale, but we still own 512 East Beachwald. Yeah. She called me out, I remember. And um, she said, I don't want to put the house for sale. I just want you to buy it. What's your offer? I need to move within 60 days. I got a new job. And, you know, she was in a great equity position. I wrote all the numbers down. I gave, It was less than retail price. She said, fine, when you want to close. It was that easy. Yeah. And there will always be people like that in the marketplace. So when you're door knocking, looking for a house for your buyer, make sure you're ready to have conversations because you might stumble across one like I just described for <laughs> don't you. Don't be surprised. Don't panic. Yeah. You, you, that's going to be, that's ultimately, Julie, what, um, you know, a lot of these guys will be surprised. They think leads are hard to come by. And they're not hard to if, come by. They, they not think, if you're proactive. They're hard to come by if you're hiding out in your secret agent. If you think leads are hard to come by, someone's maybe you are lying, is lying to you or you're lying to yourself. Leads yeah. are everywhere. Opportunity is everywhere. You are in a business. We say this on this podcast all the time. It's kind of interesting, right? You're in a business that is not dependent on anything, not on the, you know, the economy, not, oh, what are you talking about, Tim? Not dependent on interest rates, not dependent on the presidential cycle, not dependent on anything. None of those things will ultimately matter that significantly to you long as you have this mindset that there are leads everywhere. Because no matter what's going on with interest rates, no matter what's going on in the economy, no matter what's going on anywhere, everywhere, there will always be people that need to buy and sell real estate. You are selling one of the only things. Well, you're, prop- you're selling the most expensive thing that a consumer or you know, person will ever buy that they have to own or they have to buy or sell. Now, unlike everything else, you can always keep your car. You can always, you don't have to buy that boat. You don't have to take that vacation. You don't have to go to that restaurant, but you need a place to live. And again, if you look at home sales, going all the way back to really bad economic uh, situations, really bad recessions, there's still millions and millions and millions and millions of transactions happening every year because people buy and sell, not for their, like Julie, you listen to Logan. uh, Matushami. And he, this is like one of his big takeaway point for the most part. On Housing Wire. On Housing Wire. People buy and sell for reasons that are less complex than a lot of the people who are trying to prognosticate about the real yes. estate markets would have you believe. That's right. People buy and sell. And this is important for all of you guys who came up when people were buying and selling for fun and everybody was qualified for everything all the time and we had uh, fear of missing out, transactions and all that. People buy and sell because of circumstances. Death, divorce, probate, relocation, family size growing or shrinking. These are the reasons that they move or they get a raise. They want to move up neighborhood. These are circumstantial. They are not because of interest rates or anything else. Okay. So you're 33 years old. You're a millennial. You, you, your wife works, you work, you have a great income. Everything's looking really well. Now you're having a baby coming and you're a little tiny 800 square foot, very chic, you know, conveniently located near all the best walking paths and restaurants. It's way too small. Matter of fact, this little house, this little condo you have is only a one bedroom. Now you need a bigger place and interest rates happen to be whatever the hell there are. And you know, and you both have jobs and you have an actual down payment. You can afford it. So you're not worried. Your, your, th- your primary motivation isn't anything other than this place is too small. We have a baby coming. We need to upgrade the cot. We need to have a bigger house to live in. Yep. You guys get it that you're not thinking, well, you know what, honey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to time the interest rates. We're going to time the market conditions. We're going to, you know, I think market prices are going to go up or down. Nope. You're thinking this house is too small. There's going to be a 
screaming kid in it sooner than later. We need to find a new place to live. We have to, to move. Yes. And we actually have a date by which we are motivated by. Can you guys think of another product that, that is in this price range where people can have that sort of genuine you know, motivation? No. There isn't any. Nope. A healthcare, exist. maybe. And furthermore, you guys don't have to buy the inventory. It's not like boats or jets or something where you have to actually invest in it yourself. That's too complicated. You need to break it down. What she's saying is if you are selling something that's similarly expensive, for example, boats, you have a boat store, you're going to need to own a bunch of boats and you're going to need to have a place to sell the boats. You're going to need a boat salesperson, boat websites, the whole idea. Unlike real estate, where you can essentially have the benefit of owning the inventory, just like if you were the boat guy and making margins on the inventory without actually having to pay anything. I also, don't... you have a built-in raise every year. Yeah, well, because of inflation. So if you think about what an amazing industry this is, it's off the charge crazy. It just is. It is, and you can't even get fired. Well, I mean, you can if you do a terrible job, but you, there's no boss telling you that. No, you can fire yourself by basically, you know, going listless. Right. Well, here, I'll even add even more to it. Housing is essentially, uh, okay, 30-year fixed rate mortgage. You know how many other countries in the world have 30-year fixed rate uh, mortgages? That'd be a total of none. It's just ours. The U.S. government is, has so many uh, institutional systems in place to reinforce housing. And it's not going to be anything that will ever change. There's never going to be a United States where there isn't going to be a 30 or, frankly, a 40-year fixed rate mortgage, which means you can lock in an interest rate and know exactly what your fixed cost of housing is for the next three or four decades. That is not like the rest of the world. It's almost, it's like a cultural mandate. Yeah. It really is baked into the American psyche to be a homeowner. It is. It is. It's the American dream. I mean, it, you know... People have tried to say how I've seen this happen so many times during other housing setbacks where people will say real estate is no longer the American dream. It's now to, you know, whatever it is. And that's never people want to own a home. You know why? Because they have to own a home. You have to have a place to live. And if you're not, you're a tenant wishing you'd own something. True. You know, it's always fascinating to me how many people will um, tenants in particular a lot of times they'll start saying, they'll try to make financial arguments mm -hmm. for why they're a tenant and they don't own homes. If yeah. you pen that out over 20 years, they would have been way better off if they don't owned a home because they don't have control. When you don't own something, you don't have control. Your rent's going to increase. Your uh, everything's going to, you, you might even be thrown out of your house if you're renting something. Whereas if you have a 30 year fixed rate mortgage, you know what your payment's going to be. So maybe you don't like the interest rate. Maybe you don't like the payment. Well, with inflation, as, as all of us been acutely uh, educated on the last two years, the payment that seems like, you know, a little bit heavy now is going to seem cheap in 10 years, unlike rents, which would have increased every year with inflation. So you are blessed to be in the market right now selling what you're selling. You've got to realize that opportunity is everywhere around you, but oftentimes it is going to require you doing things differently than what everyone else is doing. That's what Premier Coaching is all about. So click the link below, join Premier Coaching, and you will then, if you're not feeling optimistic, if you're not feeling excited about this market, it's because you're just tuning into the wrong people. You're, you're essentially believing that there's only so much to go around. Non-inventory thoughts, interest rates are too high. Fewer sales. This is all, I hate using this as an example, but it is true. This is all scarcity thinking. There is no scarcity with regards to the, even life in general. There, that's all in your head. There's abundance. There's opportunities everywhere. Look, would you buy another house right now if the numbers made sense? Yep. <laughs> Can you think of anybody that you know that wouldn't buy or sell real estate with you right now uh, if the numbers made sense, if they had the desire, if they wanted to, if they, you guys get the point. 
there's always motivation to buy or sell real estate. There isn't always but a motivation to buy other things. So good job, you. Yes, go you. <laughs> keep doing that. Yeah, keep doing it. So listen, guys, thank you for keeping this number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals in at least the United States. Thank you for all the great five-star reviews. Um, please do spread the word. Help us let other real estate professionals know that this market is most likely going to be the best market for agents who are serious about being of service to other people and are really drilled down on the art and science of doing what they don't want to do and they don't want to do it at the highest level and realizing on the other side of doing that for a long period of time is more abundance than you can possibly imagine. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.